thank you and praise you that you've preserved Jesus' words. You have preserved the scriptures, his interaction with people during the years of his life of ministry. And oh, Jesus, please help capture our hearts and minds to understand the intensity of what it was like for you in those days and your interactions with people. Father, we don't come here to socialize. We come here to be discipled. And we pray that when we leave here, we are more mature in our discipleship and in being your light in our dark world. We love you. We praise you. We rejoice in you, Lord God. Amen. Okay, as we look at John 9, open your Bibles. I know that you've probably been very familiar with this chapter of John 9 where Jesus heals a man who was born blind. And we're going to see as we look at this particular passage that as Jesus did in John 7 and in John 8, in John 7, there are so many different levels when we study the Bible and we open it. There are so many different layers by which we can delve into it. And one of the ones I never want us to meet, miss is what Jesus is modeling. So as you're reading the scriptures, yes, get out of it what is the obvious, but then think to yourself and look for how is Jesus living his life? What is Jesus modeling? A couple of weeks ago in John 7, we saw how he, he modeled a spirit-controlled life with family members who were rather cantankerous and didn't believe in him. We saw he, how he modeled a spirit-controlled life with his friends that were fickle, that were so, not friends, but with a crowd, with a fickle crowd that sometimes they'd say, yes, he's a good man. And others would say, no, he's not. And how he modeled a spirit-controlled life with foes. And then last week in John 8, we saw how Jesus judged with righteous judgment, not according to appearance. Because judging according to appearance, Jesus would have just said the adulterous woman is obviously to be condemned and sentenced because she was caught in adultery. But instead, he said, neither do I condemn you. And he turned and he then spoke to the Jews, the Pharisees, and he said, you are of your father, the devil lying, murdering. So Jesus modeled how to judge with righteous judgment, not according to appearance. And this week, we are going to see how Jesus spreads the light. We're going to see how Jesus does the work of God. So I hope you're excited about that and you have your listening guide and you see that Jesus heals a blind beggar on the Sabbath, which of course angers the Jews, but it leads to the man's profession of faith in Jesus and his worship of Jesus. And that is always the end ultimate goal. So we see in verses 1 through 12 that Jesus gives sight to a man who has been blind since birth. And we also see how Jesus affirms his deity. And he asks, do you believe in the Son of Man? As we look at this, let's begin with reading this first part of the passage just as a good refresher and reminder. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work. 
the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? And others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, no, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, then how are your eyes opened? Verse 11, he answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and received sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. This is such a powerful, powerful passage for us to look at. Now, there's a lot of different characters in today's lesson. Did you pick up on who all the characters are? Well, first of all, we have Jesus. And his focus is on doing the work of God. We also have the blind man. He's obvious. And what is he doing? Well, he's washing. He's witnessing to the fact that he was blind. And now he can see. And then we see him worshiping, worshiping after being washed. But we also see the disciples and they are walking with Jesus. And I love that. And I hope this is you in this story. I hope you're walking with Jesus and as things come to your mind or as you have questions, I hope you are asking Jesus. You may ask him on your knees in prayer. You may ask him as you open the word of God. You may say to him, God, why am I having to suffer? Why is my child having to suffer? Ask the questions. Jesus did not condemn the disciples for asking the questions. So you ask your questions and then wait for his answers. We see also, though, that the parents are in this chapter. And what are they doing? They're being worried parents. They're worried about their social standing. They're worried about their religious standing. Have you ever been that? that worried parent. And then we find the neighbors, the neighbors here in the passage we just read and those who previously saw, is this not? And so the neighbors are all wondering about this man who used to be probably in a sad position. It says he was sitting and he was begging. And now what is this man doing? He has gone to the pool of Siloam, probably been led by his hand, or perhaps if he knew the path the well with a cane. And now he is just walking back. He is, he is not walking. If you've ever known a blind person and they're walking carefully, he's not walking like that. He's, he is so different. He is so changed that the neighbors are actually saying, is that him? His face was different. His whole being was different. And friends, we understand now why the works of him were able to be displayed in him because there was such a drastic change. So we also see along with all these other characters, if there was a play going on up here, of course, we see the Pharisees and what are they doing? Read it out loud with me. They are waxing on and on about the Sabbath. They are not being like, wow. You were that beggar. You can see. This is a miracle. All praise to God. No. 
they are very upset that there is more proof being pointed toward Jesus. And it's just amazing because we also see all these characters in our society today. Jesus models for us how to do the work of God because he says, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. And I can't help but he is thinking and referring to not only when he is resurrected and ascends to the Father and he is the light of God is no longer there, but also Matthew tells us that we have Christ's light in us. Jesus does tell us that we are to let our light shine before men so that they may see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. I love when I taught Matthew once and, and the Lord just showed me it is to be a boomerang. I am to see your good works, but it doesn't bring glory to you. It makes me look up and praise to the Father. It's a boomerang, a boomerang, a boomerang. When the works of God are displayed in somebody, we see it displayed in someone, but it makes us look up in praise and glory of God. And so Jesus models for us now how to do the work of God. Number one, we have to see the unsaved, don't we? Second, we have to understand and be committed to working for God. If somebody says, well, what do you do for a living? I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if you just said, well, I work for God. And they would say, you work for God. Well, that's interesting. And you could say, yes. And one of the places that I go is I go to Bible study. And I'd love to have you join me because it's so exciting to see how we on this earth can have a meaningful purpose in each day. I'd love for you to come and learn more about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that we have. That's why I have these little cards out here for you. Jesus models how to do the work of God, three, by reaching out to people at their point of need. I hope you are seeing this. The woman at the well, he talks about water. The people who were hungry, he talked about bread. To the man who is blind, he gives him sight. So you and I are able to pray and say, Lord, open my eyes to the people around me and how I can meet them at their point of need. For he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know this. Jesus was, of course. And when the blind man comes back and he says, he anointed my eyes, that means he spread what he had. Jesus took, and of course, he would have been on the ground getting that clay. We see once again, Jesus stooped down with the man who was sitting just like he had been stooped down with the adulterous woman. And now Jesus is stooped down and he is taking from what is his, his spit, and he is getting the clay and he is mixing it up. And the man at that point would have sensed Jesus's presence. He would have heard his voice but not been able to see him. Friends, you and I can sense God's presence, can't we? And we can hear his voice. Velma shared the sweetest story this morning of when her brother was diagnosed with MS and how Velma went to the Lord and was talking to the Lord about him. And, and the Lord spoke into her heart and mind that her family, and I'm not probably saying this in the exact words, but you're, you, he had placed him in your family. And what a loving family he had placed this child in for this brother to be nurtured in a loving Christian family. 
So Jesus took what was of him and he applied it to that person. You each have the Holy Spirit in you if you're a believer. You are able to be near people, with people, and take what is in you of the Holy Spirit and touch that person with it, whether they understand that your words are anointed words, whether they understand your touch is the touch of the Lord. He didn't know who it was, and you and I can do the very same thing. And we can follow God, not man's tradition, because the Sabbath keeping that they were holding to in such a strict, strict form was man's tradition, not what God had said. To remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, he had said, in Mark 27, Jesus did, he expounded on it, and he said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus has already said this. And six, we can build on spiritual conversations. We see Jesus doing this as he touched this man through his empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then later on, Jesus once again came into this man's life. And so it may be with a neighbor that you share a meal with or do something nice for or take flowers to or write a nice note to. And then it may be later on that you follow up with a person, but you are being there present and you're building on spiritual conversations. And then it is most important that as Jesus did, when we are wanting to share Christ and we are wanting to help people come into the kingdom of God, we have to at some point ask the question, do you believe what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus came and lived and died for your sins? I do. And he has made such a difference in my life. I would love to share with you the difference he has made on a daily basis, the difference he makes in my life. And so ladies, we have to, at some point, besides just doing the nice things for somebody else, the anointed things for other people, we have to do like Jesus did. He's modeling for us how to do the work of God. We have to bring people to a point where we ask them if they believe in the Son of God, in the Son of Jesus. Do you just love how Jesus just models all that for us? And so that was for you and me today, okay? We're looking at what he did for the blind man, but him modeling it is what he has done for us. Now, of course, you know the question that the disciples asked was, who sinned? Was it this man and that's such an interesting question if we had time to delve into it, but they're referring to prenatal sin because he was born blind. So that means he would have had sinned in his mother's womb. Well, how does a fetus sin? I mean, come on, give me a break. But they thought that that might be a possibility. And so they wanted to know if he had sinned in his mother's womb, a prenatal sin, or if it was something his parents had done. And we might think, well, now that's corny. Why would they say that? But the reason that they were able to say that, because Deuteronomy 5, 9 talks about the sins of the parents are visited to the fourth generation. Now, if you've done any study of genetics, our current day choices then when we as parents bear children, we pass our genes down 
to the next generation and them to the next generation and then to the next generation that we are able to either unlock certain propensities that we were born with or we don't have to make those choices. I may have been born with a gene for alcohol, but I do not have to become an alcoholic. My father may have been an alcoholic, but I don't have to become an alcoholic. Your parent might have been a person of rage, but you do not have to be a person of rage. So even though we may have inherited certain genetic propensities, God has given us a choice as always. And that is such good news for us to understand. So this is why they ask the question, who, who sinned? But the question that can be answered is we have all sinned. Amen? We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And friends, sin is more than messing up with one another. Sin is more than messing up in relation to one another. It is falling short of God's glory. The reason I have this picture of Taylor Swift, her album cover, Innocent, has in those in it one of the one of the songs lyrics said, did some things you can't speak of, but at night you'll live it all over again. It's all right. Just wait and see. Your string of lights is still bright to me. Oh, you, who you are is not where you've been. You're still an innocent. You're still an innocent. Friends, we are not innocent apart from saving grace. Can I hear an amen for that? And so while it may make us feel good for somebody to say, oh, don't worry about it. It is not so much what you say to me about, oh, don't worry about it. What matters is who I am in relation to the Holy Lord God. And we have all sinned and fall short of his glory. Ezekiel 18.20 says, the person who sins will die. So we are not innocent before God except by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who took our punishment on himself on the cross. And this is the work of God for us to tell people, for us to be tell people and for us to display his glory in our own lives. It is critically important. We must not be selfish women. We must not be petty women. We must not harbor resentments toward one another that the devil would like to uh, stir up between us as husbands and wives or children and parents or friends and neighbors or church issues. We must not be petty. We must not give the devil a foothold. We must understand what is at stake, the souls of all people. And we need to be good grown-up girls and boys and put aside any petty differences that Satan might like to stir up so that we can be one in our common cause of doing the work of God. Jesus answered the disciples. I've already mentioned this. It was neither, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed. This is a word in sign language for show. If I want to show you something. And every single one of you in here, God wants your life to be the one through whom he is shown. Say that with me. I'm to display the works of God. I'm to display. Yes, that's why we can't be petty. That's why we can't be selfish. That's why we need to be single-minded and focused as disciples of Christ, that we are to do the works of God, that our lives 
are those through whom God is displayed. How many of you are familiar with Nick Vujicic? He was born with a rare genetic uh, uh, situation where he was born with no arms and no legs. Can you even, for the tiniest bit, grasp how terrible that would be? Of course not, we can't. But instead of bemoaning and wasting his life, his life is a display of the glory of God. He shares his testimony of God's and Christ's faithfulness to him. We cannot let Satan put us in pity parties, in dark places when he has given us so much. Now, you may be saying right here, well, Debbie, there's nothing on your screen. That's right, because you know what? That is what spiritually blind people see. That is what spiritually blind people see. Just close your eyes. If you're blind, you don't see the light in this room. And the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People are spiritually blind. How are they ever going to see? Jesus said in John 9, 4, we must work the works of him. That is how they are going to see. Through him being displayed in us, we are to be his light bearers. Now, whether a person's spiritual condition and blindness is due to their parents, their own personal choice, or a result of living in our fallen world, Jesus can open eyes and people can believe and worship him. I want to share with you how important it is that we pray for our enemies, how we pray for those who are persecutors of the church, how we pray. This man right here, do any of you recognize him, uh, that picture of him? That is Mossab Hassan Yusuf, and he is the son of a sheikh of Hamas, a Hamas sheikh, and he has become a Christian. Have any of you watched his testimony? I share this with you to say to us as a class how important it is for us to pray for enemies of the church. I wanna share with you just a little bit of his testimony. He was interviewed by a man named Jonathan Hunt along with many other interviews he's had. And he said, what specific event or events began to change your mind about Islam? He replied, when I was 18 years old and I was arrested by the Israelis and was in an Israeli jail, Hamas had control of its members inside the jail and I saw their torture of people in a very, very bad way. Jonathan Hunt asked, Hamas members torturing other Hamas members? Mossab replies, Hamas leaders responsible for torturing their own members. He goes on, that was the beginning of opening my eyes. Jonathan Hunt says, you talk about the good Muslims, could you have not been a good Muslim? And Mossab Hassan Yusuf replied, now here's the reality. After I studied Christianity, 
which I had a big misunderstanding about because I only studied it from the Islam perspective, I found that after a careful study of the Bible verse by verse, I began to see things in a very different way, which was difficult to me to say Islam is wrong. Years ago, he replied, how God opened my eyes, my mind also, and I became a completely different person. Jonathan Hunt asked, how difficult a process has this been for you to effectively walk away from your family, leave your home behind? How difficult is that? Because he is now in America where he received asylum. He replied, he said, it's taking the skin off your bones. That's what happened. I love my family. They love me. And my little brothers are like my sons. I raised them. Basically, it was the biggest decision in my life. I left everything behind, not only family. He continues, and he says, but for me, it was a duty from God to announce his name and praise him around the world. Because my reward is going to be, he is going to do the same for me. That was the most difficult decision in my life, and I didn't do it for fun. I didn't do it for anything for this world. I did it only for one reason. I believed. People are suffering every day because of wrong ideas. I can help them get out of this endless cycle, the track the devil laid for them. This is the son of a Hamas, Hamas leader. Do you believe your prayers can help someone come out of being blinded by Satan and their eyes be open to the truth. I pray you believe. I read of another account of a man who every day would come in and beat his wife. He had 66 other lovers. She would stake and I'd go to the store and the next thing she'd have is a, a blow against her face and be bleeding. And he ended up coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I say all this to encourage you, to give you hope, to give you hope. Now, what is this process of receiving sight? Well, we see Jesus, the Holy Spirit, sees and seeks the unsaved. Luke 19 10 tells us he does that through believers. He does that through scripture. He does it through creation. He does it directly to a person's heart. And a person then is able to respond in faith. There are accounts of Muslims even having dreams and seeing a man in a white robe. And then they begin searching and seeking. So there is hope. We see this principle that coming to faith may be immediate or a process. But if a person wants more light Jesus will reveal himself to the person. I wanted to share with you what the sign is in sign language for more. Would you do it with me? It's this, more. And parents now are teaching their little children how to sign because sometimes before they can even speak, they'll do this, they'll do more. It was uh, one of my grandchildren's birthdays and the parents show videos when they have a birthday from the time that they were little. And one of the videos that came up showed one of our grandchildren doing this because he wanted more of something. And the, him asking for the more brought 
that one a lot of pleasure, and I'd like for you to hear what pleasure it brought. No more. Okay, I'm not showing you pictures of my grandchildren. I'm letting you listen to their giggles. But what did that little one learn and what did that little one know? That they wanted more of the fun little tickles and the joy. They wanted more. Here is my question. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life? Do you want more of his light illumining you? For how to walk daily. Do you want more courage to speak up? Because the parent waited until the child. And so you and I can say, Lord, I want faith. Lord, I want to be used. More of you. Would anybody in here believe that the Lord God wants you to ask him for, to work more for him, to join him more. In John 9, 8 3 through 12, we see how our changed lives and words give testimony to Jesus. In 13 through 23, how a firsthand active relationship with Jesus empowers and emboldens us to speak of our relationship with Christ, which is different from a person who only knows about Jesus. The parents were unwilling to say how their son came to be able to see, but the men who had had a personal firsthand relationship with Jesus could not help but say, even to the point of addressing these Pharisees and saying, well, here is the amazing thing that you do not know where he is from. And yet he opened my eyes. And yet he opened my eyes. We find in verses 13 through 33, we are not responsible if people receive and believe our testimony, but we are to keep sharing just like this man did and we must be prepared for people to reject Christ and to put us out. And you may have experienced that. That social group, that friend, that neighbor, they just kind of don't want anything to do with you anymore because they disagree with you. But we can rejoice that Christ puts us in. It is amazing. I hope you meditated on it where it says Jesus heard that they had put him out and finding him, he said, do you believe? And the man said yes and worshiped him. And at that moment, that man was put in to the body of Christ, in to the kingdom of heaven. That is more important than any place on earth we could care about being a part of. The Pharisees' pride blinded them to the truth of who Jesus demonstrated himself to be, and therefore they brought judgment upon themselves. Perhaps you're familiar with the continental divide, and when the rain pours down on that continental divide, the water makes a choice. 
either flows into the Atlantic or it flows into the Pacific. And there Jesus came on the scene, not to sit in judgment of everyone, but he was the continental divide, his presence. They either received and believed the truth and will go into heaven in eternity, or they re reject who he is and they flow into the other way. The judgment is upon them. And so let me just close with asking you a few questions. What is your response to the fact that God allows some physical problems or suffering so that through him he may be glorified? Are you fighting him right now? Or are you saying, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know how long it's going to go on. But I pray you be glorified in my life. Two, the blind men heard Christ's voice and did what Jesus told them before he saw Jesus. Are you listening to Christ's voice and doing what he tells you before you see him in heaven? Jesus said we must work the works of God as long as it is day. Are you doing the work of God? Are you opening blind eyes to who Jesus is and asking them if they believe, even if they put you out? And if you are not in, personal, in a personal relationship to be able to do that, are you praying fervently for those whose minds have been blinded by the devil? Be an active, engaged prayer warrior. And so we see that I, like the disciples, can ask Christ questions and learn from him. I, like the blind man, can obey Christ's voice and experience his anointing touch. He can open my eyes more and more. Read Ephesians 1.18 if you're not familiar and pray it. I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints, Paul writes. And I can let God's works be displayed in me. I can have a posture of hope, not despair. The world is so bad and it's all dark and there's nothing I can do. No. I can have a posture of hope. I can pray for spiritually blind people and I can share my testimony. Amen? Amen. What's the golden nugget takeaway for you today? Oh, Father, you speak to us through your word and we hear your voice. We have heard it this morning. We give you the praise. And Father, I pray that each one of us would put aside any petty difference, put aside any down discouragement, grumbling, mumbling, in order, Lord, that your glory might be displayed in and through us. Father, put a fire in us to be fervent prayer warriors for enemies and those who are spiritually blind because you've given us a job to do and we can do it Without seeing you, we can do it hearing you. And then we rejoice to see you face to face one day. In your name, amen.